candid, captivating, compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Listen in as Dr. Dina, medical marijuana pioneer and inspiration for the award-winning TV series, Weeds, shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential with your host, Dr. Dina. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your hostess with the mostest when it comes to weed and hash. I'm Dr. Dina, and welcome to my show. I know I haven't been around for a little while. I've been so busy this year. 2018 has been an incredible year in California. We have legalized cannabis, which some people are upset about and some people are thrilled about. I'm torn, as always. I'm so happy that people cannot get stopped on the street shake down what's in their pocket and go to jail. They are allowed to possess one ounce of cannabis, eight grams of concentrates on their person at any time, which has now led our local airport, LAX, to create a cannabis policy, which they've always had, but they've never been public about. They have finally announced that they are going to allow people to fly with cannabis uh, across wherever you want to go, really. It's up to you to decide if you want to take that risk. And now, what will that mean? Will that mean that you will have police officers waiting for you, any, any flights out of LAX uh, landing in a state that's not legal? Are they going to be standing there with dogs? We don't know. This is going to be an interesting time. Um, we hope that the feds are going to finally get their act together this year. We've been hearing a lot of talk outside, inside of Washington and outside uh, about Trump actually using cannabis as a platform during the midterm elections, talking about really changing the laws and making banking a lot easier for us. And I, I don't know if you guys are familiar. Some of you work in the cannabis industry. Some of you don't. But the one thing that I find so challenging in my work every day is I'll get a phone call from a company that is a credit card processing company, and they'll want me to... Uh, use their credit card machines to take money from people in our store. And my answer is always the same. Where is the money supposed to go to? Because we can't have a bank account. And so we have all of these hurdles that we have to jump over, hoops that we have to jump through. And it's, it's amazing to me that all around the world, there are different programs when it comes to cannabis. And they're all so different. Now, California is one animal, you have Colorado, you have Washington, we're all different, but what happens when you leave the U.S.? Now, we know that cannabis is becoming huge in Spain, but what country, like where, do we, where did cannabis all start? What was the hub? And that was in Amsterdam. And Amsterdam is a very, very special place to me. I love that city. I once really saw myself living there. I went on a vacation once and didn't want to leave and end up staying for a long time until I ran out of money and had to come home. And their, their program is so different. It's, it's illegal to grow, but it's, it's legal for them to sell it. Um, it's just it's, it's amazing to watch. I recently went to Amsterdam, and this is going to segue sort of into my guest for the day, which is a really special guest for me especially. This is a very personal uh, guest, personal show. I've never really done something so personal, but it, it's really kind of special because I think a lot of people want to know this, want to know more about me. They want to know details in my life, and I don't usually share them. And so today we're going to have on 
my husband as a guest. Apparently, he's told me that it's a very highly Googled thing is to Google Dr. Dina Husband. It comes up a lot. So I guess people are very curious as to who he is. And it all ties back into Amsterdam because when we first met, I remember our first date, and I asked him where his favorite city was. And he said Amsterdam. And I was completely shocked. Like, this is meant to be. And he did not seem like a stoner or anything. I'm like, wait a second, we can work with this. And we just started getting into a deep conversation about the love that we had for the city. And he started telling me about this book that he wanted to write, that he had started writing about Amsterdam and the red light district. And many, many years later, now almost 11 years since we had this conversation, uh, David has finally finished his book and it is out in the space. And today we're going to talk about it. So please welcome a very special guest, David Wiener, my husband, and author of Amsterdam Exposed. Welcome, David. Hey, how are you? <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah, like I haven't seen you in a few hours. How's it going? I'm so glad that Cannabis Confidential is back. I am one of the biggest fans of the podcast, and it's an honor to, uh, to be kicking things off with you again. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. I have so many great people to be interviewing this year, but obviously we wanted to have you on because it's been a long time coming and really celebrate this amazing journey that you took and this book that you wrote. And uh, let's talk about Amsterdam and your book. Well, I'll begin with by saying not many people write a book about prostitution and dedicate it to their wife. Um, <laughs> that's basically what I did. I'm not the hooker. Um, and, you're, and no, you're definitely not. Um, and uh, so I, I you were... Back. Working lady. Yep. No, it was, you know, this, you know, back in the day, I was a lot more innocent than I am now. And I remember when I was studying in England as an undergrad, my first time to Amsterdam was like so many people's first time to Amsterdam. You walk through the district, you see these beautiful women, you wonder, you know, how the hell do they end up here? You uh, walk through some coffee shops, go to the Van Gogh Museum, and you move on. And, you know, this is actually my fourth book. I've written a whole bunch of books before. And, you know, the subject of Amsterdam and the Red Light District always kind of fascinated me um, for a lot of reasons. One, just the general concept of how any of us end up where we end up in life, but particularly the women who work there. Um, and the way that they're treated and the way that that culture kind of exists within within Amsterdam. And when I was in my third year of law school, um, I was able to go out to Amsterdam to study international law. But really, it was about trying to really write, write one of the first books or one of the definitive books about the space. And, you know, I had found and I still find today, just like some of American society, that people love jumping to the extremes that when people talk about prostitution or talk about the subject, it was either radical feminists condemning it or sex workers celebrating it. But there was really very little you could find of just a, you know, of an, of an unadulterated kind of honest look into that world. And it's kind of what I set out to do. Um, I made a promise to myself, which I kept, that I would not become a client and that I could not and I would not pay any of the women to talk and the book is really a very heartfelt, very personal kind of coming of age story of an American who was raised in a more conservative background, kind of discovering cannabis, kind of putting themselves, you know, in the heart of the district. 
and really trying to answer a lot of questions that don't just speak to prostitution, but are really at the core of the human experience. Absolutely. And what I think is so cool, too, is that you spent all this time on pretty much the same street, walking up and down trying to interview these women, around the same time that I was in Amsterdam, on the same street, probably sitting in the greenhouse coffee shop getting high. So I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, literally, of the whole world, we have one street that's our favorite. <laughs> it's an intersection it's of amazing. both of our worlds. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep, and, th- and this, was all back, this was all back in 1999. So this was even about two and a half years before you really started your journey in the cannabis space. And it was amazing. It was, it was a world that you never thought would really change. And, and you know, the, the opening line of the book is that there's nothing constant except for change. And it's really true. And, you know, we, we were just in Amsterdam for the book launch, and I spoke at the big bookstore. Um, and it was, it was exciting, but also difficult to see all the changes in Amsterdam over these years, both with respect to how cannabis is being treated, um, and also the red light district. Back in 1999, there were 520 windows. Now there are 384. You know, back in the day, you could be in a coffee shop till three or four in the morning. Now most of them, you know, shut down at one o'clock. The Grasshopper is now just a restaurant, and there was this world that you would lose yourself. But you in. can use credit um, card to buy your weed. That's the only thing that I found was like progressive. I'm like, wow, you guys take credit cards. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> no, change doesn't mean all bad change, but it definitely is a world that had been kind of holding on for decades, and now is is really slowly slipping away. And so much of what the book tries to do is give readers a, you know, a free trip back into that world. Um, and it was a special world. Um, and there's also an audiobook which is great, that just came out. So for all those people who don't love reading but love going on great journeys, um, the audiobook is fantastic. And the narrator, it wasn't me, but it was a professional. And uh, he did a really great job, and I'm really excited about that too. It, it's really incredible, the story – when you when you read your book, the way that you write, and I'm not just saying this obviously because I love you and I'm married to you, but you, your words take you to another place. You transport out of the book, and you are in Amsterdam. And it was really wild visiting Amsterdam after I read the book and looking around and seeing so much was the same, but then how commercialized it's becoming and how like a lot of the small businesses are getting pushed out so the big H&Ms are, are coming in and and these corporate companies and, and corporate restaurants. And it's, it's changed a lot. But I think the biggest change was what you described in the book was when you were there, their dollar, their, their gilder was, was so, you know, the American dollar was so strong that as Americans we could go to Holland and I think it cost me like $7 U.S. to buy an eighth of weed. And so I was rich. You know, that would have cost me $50 in the U.S. And then overnight that changed and all these people just kind of, you know, couldn't afford life. But we're going to get into that a, a little bit more. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have David Wiener, my husband, author of Amsterdam Exposed with us. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina will continue after a word from our most confident sponsors. 
Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seed, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Dr. Dina is back with more Cannabis Confidentials. Only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. We have David Wiener, author of Amsterdam Exposed, my lovely husband. With us today to talk about Amsterdam, his experiences, the book. So we we were just talking about the Gilder, David. Explain a little bit how shocking it was to the Dutch culture when that changed overnight. Well, there was a lot that went on, and ultimately things normalized a bit. But essentially, you know, the Gilder switched over to the euro, um, and a few years actually after uh, the events of the book took place. And for a lot of businesses, they changed the name, but they didn't change the number. So what was once, you know, 50 guilders, and that was actually originally the initial title of the book, which I changed for a variety of reasons, because no one knows what a guilder is anymore. But what was once 50 guilders suddenly became 50 euros um, in many respects. And 50 guilders would have been $20 U.S., Exactly. So guys could go be with a woman for 20 bucks, and now all of a sudden it's costing them $60. Yep. But that, but even even with those price changes, it was, I was just reading an article about everything going on in Amsterdam, and you know it is amazing that you know tourism there is exploding, and it's really becoming one of the it's it's one of the themes that the book kind of talks about is, you know I really you know the book is really the story of my trying to find one woman who was who was working in the heart of the district who was willing to talk to me and open up. And with nothing political, nothing contrived, but really, really tell the story and share with the world really what goes on there. And back in 1999, it was before the Internet. It was before social media. So what was happening was even more mysterious uh, then than it even is today. Um, and, it was very difficult and so the, for you, clearly, to get a woman to speak with you because most of them wanted to slam the door in your face. Yeah, just, of course, because people aren't there to talk. People aren't there to write a book. They're there to make money, and you're either giving it to them or you're getting out. 
And so the book was, you know, back in the day, and I was, I was, I guess you could say I was naive, but I was really innocent and hopeful and optimistic that, that the human spirit was still going to remain, that there was still a heart left in that world. And, um, you know, through a lot of ups and downs and, and efforts, I ended up developing a very special relationship with one of the Dutch women who worked there and had worked there for about five years. And the book is really the story of, you know, a very special friendship that, that develops in a place where two people weren't meant to become friends and really how it changed her and it, and it changed me. And it was, and at the end of the day, really, it's really about trying to humanize these women. I mean, so many people who might be listening to this podcast have been to Amsterdam and you, and you walk through and when you see these women standing behind the windows, as horrible as it sounds, you know, your, your mind kind of oh, puts them so in two dimensions. Yeah. So quick to they're, judge. They're like and animals it was animals in a cage. In fact, you, that obviously reading your book made me see a different side to this. You, you made it more human. Right. You, I felt like I understood these women because a lot of these women don't choose to be in these windows. It's like they end up there because something really messed up happened in their life and they're victims. And a lot of them aren't necessarily being trafficked for sex. It's like they, they can make the choice, but they know this is the easiest way to feed their family, you know. And I was standing you were actually inside of the what was it? What was the prost, uh, the prostitution information center? that we had walked into to talk to those women um, and give them a copy of your book. And I, I stepped outside to make a phone call uh, to my phone company, which we'll get into in a second why I had to do that. Um, and I was on your phone. And I was standing off in the corner. I was kind of hidden behind a sign. And I was in a corridor where there was a bunch of women in the, in the, in the windows. And I was just kind of standing there, and they were looking at me and kind of like, whatever. And this group of guys walked down, and they were like a – a soccer team or something that had flown in from London or whatever, UK. And they were walking down this alley. And one after the next, they were insulting the women in the window and just saying the most horrific, awful things to them. And it really bothered me. And it got to me like, I understand they're prostitutes, but they're still human beings. And as soon as they passed the sign where I was standing behind and they saw me, they immediately were, like, shamed. They put their heads down, and they started apologizing to me. And I, I think I started yelling at them, like, what the, you know, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? If that was your mother, would you say that? Well, like, that's awful. And so it, yep. it really changed my mind because the last time I had gone to Holland, I remember, like, kind of sneering a little bit at the, win the women, kind of like, wow, like, that's what you're doing, you know? But but my experience was I had met a, met a friend, which I told you about, at the jewelry center, and she was this beautiful Dutch girl, blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful, tall, perfect, per looked professional. She was working in a jewelry store, and we were, became friendly. We were talking, and I said, oh, what are you doing later? Do you want to go to this place? And she goes, oh, I'm, I'm working later. And then she ended up telling me that she worked in the windows at night. And I said, why? She goes, well, my, both my parents are in a retirement home, and they suggested that this would be the best way to pay for them. And I was shocked. And she just chooses to do that at night because it helps put her parents, you know, in a safe place. So we can't judge. And it, it definitely, your book reminds me not to judge people and to realize that there are still truly a, a beautiful soul inside these people left. Yeah, and, and everyone has their own story, too. Like you mentioned that a lot of them enter into the space because – 
most likely bad things have happened. And I think that's, that's true for a lot of them. But it's, it's important to note that this book, it's not social science. I'm not pretending to speak for everyone. I'm not, you know, the conclusions that are reached are really more heartfelt than, than scientific or analytic. Um, but everyone's got their own, everyone's got their own story. And, and what you just mentioned too, it's so true about how these women are treated and particularly, you know, in light of, you know, the Me Too movement, you know, this book is certainly not a product of the Me Too movement, but I think given the Me Too movement, it's about time we take a deeper look into the women who work there. And just like, just like when people are online, they say the meanest, nastiest things to each other because they think they're invisible and there's a separation. The same thing happens when people walk by these women with a tiny piece of uh, glass between them. Um, and they, if there's a piece of glass, they could say whatever they want and they feel that separation when really the women are there, they're real, and they hear everything that gets said. And, you know, that's, that's one of the major problems right now that Amsterdam is dealing with because as the red light district has become a lot more gentrified and safer, a lot more people are going there than who would have been too afraid to venture, you know, deep into the district back in 1999. It's more of a tourist attraction than yep. it is like a place where guys are going to use them for a service. It's, well, it's yep. definitely Well, more it's always more been a tourist attraction. It's just a tourist attraction that everyone is pretty much afraid to talk about. And, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm an executive at a big agency. I've worked in Hollywood for a long time. And, you know, writing a book like this was, was kind of scary for me. One, because, you know, in order for it to become the book I needed it to be, it had to become really intensely personal. But also it, it touches on a subject that people love passing judgment on. And there was, there was one part of the book, one of my favorite parts of the book for some reason, was when I was sitting in a bar and I was about to go um, have dinner with one of the working girls and, um, and two of the other people in the bar I told I was going to go do that. And they started saying, oh, my God, you're having dinner with a prostitute. You're going to go sleep with her. How could you do that? And it's so horrible what they do. I asked her and I said, well, don't you have a price? And she looked at me in disgust. And I said, well, look, if someone were to pay you a billion dollars with a B to have sex with anyone in the world, you'd do it. I mean, I would, anyone would, you would do, anyone would do it. A billion dollars, you could, you could do a lot of great things with a billion dollars, right? How about a million? How about 100,000? How about 50,000? Yeah, so when it comes down to even talking about this, it's not, it's not a question of principle, it's just price. And a lot of us just think we're worth more than others, and that's where a lot of like, this hatred comes from. And that was a very kind of important moment for me, at least in my understanding of things, to really, to really look at the subject. Well, that's incredible. And I love that you outed yourself in the cannabis world in your book, talking about smoking cannabis. Yeah, well, that was a big deal, you know. That was a big deal. I mean, I've, I've worked at big law firms. I've represented people like Steven Spielberg and Madonna and worked in very corporate settings where, you know, if anyone would ever ask, I wouldn't talk about it. And at the most I would say is, well, you know, if Snoop passed me a joint, I'm not going to say no, <laughs> you know, and kind of <laughs> leave it at that. But the book, the book also does get into the cannabis side and trying to normalize it a bit and show that, you know, it's not – I mean, I think so, so many of us know this now, but it's not some – big scary thing it's it's something that can become very helpful to appreciating the moment to quieting the mind to to putting one in the now and you know i know for me um you know it's been something that's been very spiritually important and significant and um you know it's it's and to be honest through my journey of the book and through my experiences there it was one of those things that you know when when you and i met you know we were in very we actually met online which is kind of crazy 
But when Wait, we hold met, on. we're, we're going to tell no, this we, on the next. We're going to tell this on the next segment. We have to run to a quick break, so don't go anywhere, you guys. All right, so juicy stories we'll leave you in suspense. Okay, <laughs> don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina will continue after a word from our most confident sponsors. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Dr. Dina is back with more Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. Dr. Dina here with my guest, David Wiener, my lovely husband, about to gossip about when we met. So, David, the floor is yours. So, anyhow, we had met. I just moved back from New York, and I got a job to represent Steven Spielberg here in Beverly Hills. And, you know, when it was before you had really, you, you had become Dr. Dina, but, of course, for so much of your early time in the industry, the last thing you, in, the, in the world that you wanted was any kind of notoriety or public attention. Oh, and, my lawyer used you know, to tell when me, we, no pictures, no publicity, no, no uh, uh, evidence. <laughs> yep, so, which, no. is why, which is why I know for you, when you first you know, put yourself under the spotlight, it was a big deal, and it was something that you kind of did re- reluctantly a bit, but recognizing the importance of you doing so. And, well, when Snoop you know, Dogg outs you in GQ magazine, you just kind of have to yeah. ride the wave. You've got to roll with it, you know, yeah. and um, so... No, I think I think the book, you know, it, it was Okay, so David, are you going to tell everyone how we met? Cuz everyone likes to find these things out. This is juice. Yeah, no, it was, you know, I just moved back from New York and I was I got a job to be the lawyer for Steven Spielberg and and uh we actually met online um and our first time meeting was at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel of all places. And I remember Beverly when you Green. told me Exactly. And I remember when you told me kind of the world that you were in and, and what, you, what you were doing. And it was, in a large part, through my journeys of working on this book, it made that experience of jumping from me being in a corporate setting to being someone in the cannabis industry something that just seemed self-evident. 
And, you know, because I had already, a big part of the book wasn't just working, you know, and and talking with the women about making sure they understand that they have choices to make, but we all have choices to make. And sometimes we can all get pushed in uncertain tracks in life. And, you know, writing the book was as much about me freeing myself from practice as much as it was about looking at these women in the district and, you know, ultimately trying to, you know, give them an additional foundation to reflect on things and make choices for themselves. Absolutely. And I think you really did that with your other book, with making it on Broadway, of just interviewing all these Broadway stars and talking about their lives and making it real for people to realize, like, what their dreams are going to lead them to. And so, in a way, it's very similar, uh, yet so completely different. Uh, I think that's really neat. And so, my one of our one of our favorite, least favorite days um, in Amsterdam started off as our favorite day because the first day we got there, we were really cranky from the long flight and the time difference. And so, the second day, we decided to go on this beautiful boat. Or third day, we went on a beautiful boat ride. We rented this boat. It was sunny out. It was the weather was gorgeous. It's never like this. I mean, it was like 80 degrees out. And I didn't even have shorts. I was like, this is, this is incredible. We rented this little boat, and we went out onto the Amstel River, and we rode through the canals, went past the Anne Frank house. We had the most beautiful day, and we were taking – And you had, had a brand new, you had a brand a new brand phone, new and you insisted all the photos be taken on your phone. Because I got the brand new iPhone, and it has, like, all the good photo <laughs> features. So, and his phone is like super freaking old. It's like the oldest iPhone on the planet. And so obviously you want to take a picture on a better camera. So yeah, don't use your phone, David. Use only mine. So the whole day we're taking pictures on my phone, the best lighting, the most beautiful backgrounds. I was so excited about these pictures, but I had no phone service. So I couldn't upload them or anything. And we parked the boat. We were just about to get off the boat. And as we were getting off the boat, David stands up on the boat because he's grabbing some stuff. I took a leap off the boat onto the dock because the boat started, like, tilting. And when I did that, I heard this little bloop, and David turned to me, and he goes, where's your phone? And I said, it's in my purse. And then I looked at my purse, and it wasn't in my purse. And then we realized my phone was what made the little bloop in the water and was sinking down into the murky abyss of a canal, which is filled with, like, 16th century piss. So no, you're not going to reach in there and grab it. It's gone, and, David. Um, and that was some. But that was. But that was something else too. That you know, even when writing the book, I didn't really fully understand until that moment. Of you're walking through the city. You're you're in you're in the world of Amsterdam. But the second something falls into that water, it's gone forever. It's like throwing it into some like vortex that like gets sent off into another dimension because there is you're so close to it, but there's no chance of recovering it. And then, uh, of course, you went to, you're like, no worries, I'll go to the Apple store tomorrow. And, of course, you can't get a SIM card for a U.S. phone in Europe. And uh, the next three days were, were quite interesting with you without a phone. I was walking around <laughs> with my iPad, like, pretending it was a phone just to make myself feel better. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. So that's why I was standing out in the corridor on your phone calling the phone company trying to, you know, activate a different phone. But they couldn't do that. And that's when I was hearing all these guys yapping. But it was really unbelievable just the world, how many different worlds are out there. And when you're in Holland, it's like these buildings are the most beautiful buildings, the architecture, and you're transported back into history because that's what the place looked like during World War II and, and before that. And it's, it's really wild. I mean, for me being Jewish, it's very powerful because 
you have the history of what happened there, of Anne Frank living in this in this attic. You have stones that are now there's a gentleman who puts these cobblestones, these uh, gold cobblestones, in front of all the homes where Jews were taken to the concentration camps with their names on it. And so you visually see like what people have gone through in such a beautiful place. It's like how can any evil exist in the most beautiful place ever? But it just goes to show that there's there's evil anywhere, and we have to all fight it, and, and we have to all stay strong. And, and just like the world today, we have the evils with the DEA pressuring all of us, and we're fighting back. And it's really exciting to have someone like you, David, on our team, which makes you our Weed Warrior of the Week, because you, being in Hollywood, the ability to speak out about using cannabis is is huge, and it's part of the fight that I've been fighting for people to just be honest and tell people and make it okay, make it normal. And so you are one of them for making it normal. So thank you so much, sweetie. Well, it's an honor to be on the show. Thank you for taking the time to talk about the book. And, uh, you know, I worked on this for 18 years, so it's, it's really one of the best things I've ever done. And uh, it just, I'm happy to say it just won the grand prize at the Hollywood Book Festival. And it's doing really well, and I think it's something that will surprise a lot of people. For anyone listening, it's it's a very well, different book, even than you'd imagine. But where can they find it? Because we are running out of time. You can find it anywhere. Um, best place, of course, is Amazon, um, and it's an ebook. It's in paperback, and it's in a aud- it's an audio book too. And again, the narration is fantastic. And uh, you know, you and I listen to that. It's <laughs> it's really funny what a narrator can do. Uh, with all the different accents, and there's a, you know, it's a very funny book. There's a lot of humor in it, but I really tried to hit on some profound points too. And um, again, it can be found anywhere. And uh, I'm really excited to share it with the cannabis community. It's really a book that I kind of envision people reading, and with in one hand and maybe smoking a joint in the other, and kind of well, just getting lost in this world. That. And let's have everyone go online, pick up David's book, Amsterdam Exposed. By David Weiner, check out the audiobook or the regular book, whatever you want. The audiobook is fantastic to listen to while you're trimming. So trimmers, you're going to want to get this book. We are out of time. Thank you guys so much for joining us again on Cannabis Confidential. I'm Dr. Dina. You can check me out at Dr. Dina 420 on Instagram, Dr. Dina on Twitter. I have a Facebook fan page, Dr. Dina, and make sure to give this podcast a five star thumbs up. Love you guys, and see you next week. Over and out. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.